Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana. I am your host, and today I'm excited to begin what I hope is a very powerful and potentially life-changing series of podcasts on, I guess, what I would call relationship laws. I'm titling this series, Laws of Life and Love. And here's the basic premise. Just as there are laws of physics that govern the universe, there are laws of life and laws of love that govern our relationships and our desire to be happy, have an experience of well-being, of connection. There are laws that are at work in the universe, laws of thermodynamics, laws of electromagnetism, laws of gravity, right? There are laws that are operating and they are sort of the underpinning of reality. And the same goes for our life and our love life. So I want to bring these relationship laws, you know, out of the shadows, you know, from behind the scenes. And I want to bring them to our attention. I want to bring them right in front of us so that we can be more aware of them and we can align ourselves with these laws so that they work for us and not against us. Okay. And that may be one of the main things that I want to communicate here about these relationship laws. And we're going to cover four of them. Again, it's just like the laws of, of nature and the laws of physics. You don't get to choose which law of physics you're going to use, right? <laughs> you don't get to choose whether or not you are going to use the law of gravity, right? You can't just say, well, today I'm not going to use a law of gravity, so I'm going to jump off a building and I'm just going to hover. (laughs) No, you're going to crash to the ground and probably die, right? So the law of gravity is working whether you like it or not. It's, it's not, it's really got, you have no choice in the matter. You either learn about the law of gravity and maybe decide I'm not going to jump off a building because it's going to kill me, (laughs) right? So you can align yourself with the law of gravity and have a life of well-being, you could say, (laughs) or you could not align yourself with it and see how that goes. The same principle is involved in these relationship laws. You don't choose whether or not you're going to use them. The first law we're going to talk about is the law of attraction. 
And that's first because it's the most popular, the most talked about. It's the most misunderstood. And the reason I say it's the the most misunderstood is because if you listen closely and you read some of the books that have been written on this and watch some of the videos and read the blogs and the social media posts, you will hear people say that they got to a certain point in their life and they, in their search for intimacy, they decided they were going to start using the law of attraction. I'm going to start using the law of attraction to help me find my partner or to manifest something else in their life that they desire, right? So this perspective thinks that you can choose to use it or not use it. But if it is a law, just like the law of gravity, it's operating whether you want to use it or not. And that's true of all these relationship laws. They are working on you. They are being used by you, whether you're doing it consciously or unconsciously. So you don't choose to use a relationship law. You either understand it and align yourself with it, or you don't understand it and you're in opposition to it, in which case you will always lose. Again, if you are not aligned with the law of gravity, you will lose. (laughs) If you are not aligned with these relationship laws, you will lose. So that is an extremely important point to know that there is no choice here. These laws are governing life and love, whether you like it or not. And so what I want to do is help you understand them and align yourself with them because that's how your life and your love life goes in a healthy, wonderful direction is when you're not fighting with reality. You're not going against reality. Does that make sense? And we're going to look at four different laws. We're going to look at the law of attraction. We're going to look at what I call the law of attention. We're going to look at the law of opposites. Let me just say right now, this is going to be fun. Because this is one of the confusing things about these relationship laws. People understand the law of attraction means like attracts like, right? Like attracts like. But then what about the law of opposites, meaning opposites attract? So which is it? Because those are, by definition, completely incompatible, incongruent laws. One says like attracts like. The other one says it's just the opposite. Opposites attract each other. So you're going to become, you're going to understand that both of these are true because they are talking about different things. But I'm going to split them up. I'm not going to do the law of attraction followed by the law of opposites because the law of attention is week number two and that's falling on the Thanksgiving week. And I think it it just fits nicely into the idea of Thanksgiving, what we do with our attention. So aside from that word salad I just gave you, Part number one is the law of of attraction. Part number two 
is the law of attention. Part number three is the law of opposites. And part number four is the law of suffering. <laughs> there, there is actually laws at work depending on whether you suffer or feel joy and well-being. Okay? So that's where we're going. Now, before I jump in, a couple of weeks ago, I did a podcast called Roy's Rants. Okay? And it's been out now for a couple of weeks. Um, and I listened to it when it came out. And there were a couple things that I said that I sort of cringed at myself <laughs> as I ranted. I kind of heard a couple of things I said. I'm like, oh, gosh, that could be misunderstood. That might have been taken in the way it wasn't really meant. And so can I take a minute just to clear something up? In that podcast, um, while I stand by every single thing I said, I want to clear up a phrase that I used. When I was talking about men and the incel issue, meaning men complain that they are involuntarily celibate. And so there's a name for that. It's called incels. Okay, it's a very popular thing being discussed, you know, on social media and in relationship circles. Men that that are celibate but not by choice. They in other words, they can't get laid, they can't get a girlfriend. Right? And then I also talked about the equivalent which from what I understand, I've never heard the phrase before. In my mind, I've made it up. Um, and that is the word insigs. The insig is the female counterpoint to the incel. And it is the female person saying, I am involuntarily single. Meaning I'm single, but I don't want to be. And there's a lot of conversation and a lot of complaint about why women can't meet men, men don't want to commit, men only want sex, whatever it might be. So both men and women have their victim stories about why they aren't connecting with an ideal partner and they, they both have their various complaints and their various reasons. And I sort of took issue with both of them because they are victim consciousness, right? They are complaints. They are blaming their relationship experience on someone else. And so when I talk to the men and the women, I use the phrase about not being good enough men or good enough women. The point I was making was that if men are involuntarily celibate, it's not because women want tall, rich men, right? You know, the, the, the Hollywood, good-looking, wealthy, tall guy. And if you're not that, that's why you're celibate. And I made the point of that's a real victim perspective because there's lots of men who are not six feet tall, who don't make six figures income, and they have girlfriends, and they're married, and they're living with people, right? So... It can't be that. It must be some other reason why you're an incel. And I said it's because you're not a very good man. Now, what I want to clarify is I didn't mean 
that in terms of your value as a human being. I wasn't saying you're not good enough, like there's something defective about you. I wasn't speaking to your your general nature and your general value as a human being, right? You are perfect. You are good enough. You, they're, they're, it's garbage to think that somehow we are flawed or deficient in our very nature. What I was meaning by the phrase, you're not being good enough, is perhaps there is something happening in your life that you're not aware of, and that's why women are not giving you the time of day. Perhaps your presence isn't being felt. Perhaps you're distracted. Perhaps you're not on purpose. Perhaps you don't have a real purpose to what your life is about. Perhaps you don't know how to communicate. Perhaps you don't know how to express your emotions or handle a woman's emotions. Perhaps you have a personality blind spot, something you're doing to unconsciously turn women off. Okay. So I just took all of those possible reasons why you might be involuntarily celibate and lumped them into the phrase, well, maybe you're not a good enough man. In other words, maybe, maybe there's some things going on in you and in your character and in the way you're showing up. That's the reason why you're celibate. It's not because women want tall, rich men. You follow me? So I was making a statement about the way you're showing up in the, in the world, not your value as a person. And the same goes for the women because I made the same comment. If you're involuntarily single, it's not because men are assholes or all the good ones are taken or gay, right? Or men just want younger women in their 20s and I'm 45 and so, you know, time has passed me by and, you know, men are shallow assholes. I was making the point, no, that ain't it because there are women in their 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s who are meeting men, meeting men who are wanting to be with them when the man is younger than the woman, right? So it can't be that. And so I was challenging the involuntarily single woman with the victim mentality blaming men or blaming the dating scene or blaming men's fear of commitment for her being single. I mean, no, no, you're not single for that reason. You're single because you're not good enough woman, right? But again, I didn't mean that in terms of your value as a human being. I meant it the same way I meant it about the men, that it's the way you're showing up. It's your attitude, it's perhaps your commitment to drama, perhaps you don't communicate very well, perhaps you don't deal with your emotions very well, you know, perhaps you haven't let go of your past, perhaps you aren't very supportive. Per, you know, in other words, there might be, there's something that you're doing to keep yourself single. And so I just lumped it into a general category, saying you're just not being a good enough woman. But again, it was about the way you're being in the world, not your value. Okay, so I wanted to clear that up because that was the only thing when I listened to that podcast and I was like, Ugh, I wish I would have clarified the use of that phrase because it can be um, taken as a real judgment and a real harshness 
uh, and, and, a, and, and a completely untrue statement to say someone is not, you know, a good enough being and that kind of thing. So I hope, hope that clears it up. Um, now, on to our conversation today. All right, the law of attraction. And again, this is a law that's working. You don't get to choose it. So you might, if you follow this podcast, you might know that I'm not a big fan of the law of attraction. Okay. In fact, I think it will ruin your love life. But only because that the law of attraction, well, maybe I should back up a minute and just say, I'm not saying the law of attraction is not true. In fact, all of these laws, the law of attention, the law of opposites, the law of suffering, they're true. They're real, just like gravity and the law of thermodynamics, and they're real, they're true. Okay, so I'm not saying the law of attraction is garbage and it's not true. I'm saying just the opposite. It is true. But for most people, that's bad news. Because the law of attraction, if you understand it, it can work for you. But if you don't understand it, it is working against you. For most people, the law of attraction, because it is operating, it's working against you. It's what is causing you to get in what I call the relationship groundhog day syndrome. And so that's where I want to go today. I want to I want to talk about what it means to have the law of attraction work either for you or against you because it is doing one or the other. And you are in charge of which one depending on how you respond to the things you're going to hear in this podcast. Okay? But again, just to be very clear, I'm not saying the law of attraction is not true and it's psycho babble, spiritual gobbledygook. No, no, it's 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 real. Because all it means is that like attracts like. Now, there is a lot of psycho babble about the law of attraction. People have made it to mean way more than it does. Um they've manipulated it and attached all kinds of their own theories to it just so they can sell their crap to unsuspecting people, okay? So the law of attraction can be gobbledygook, psychobabble, spiritual, goofy nonsense. Um, but when it's stripped down, you know, to its essence, it's captured by the cliche, birds of a feather flock together. Like attracts like. Things that are vibrating at a cer certain level, on, when they're on the same level, they connect. They attract each other, right? So like attracts like. That is happening in your life, okay? Now, this is the reason why it can work against you is because if there is something going on in your life that you're not aware of, if you have a, a blind spot, 
or a limiting belief, or if you have some sort of wounding from childhood that left you with a certain message about yourself, okay? Or if you have something, I, what I call a relationship persona, a way of being that you learned from your childhood to survive, to get love or attention. Like if, if you've got some sort of unconscious baggage in your life, that baggage is, is attracted to its reciprocal, right? So your baggage is going to fit with and be attracted to someone else's baggage. So it's like your junk magnetically attracts people with reciprocal junk. And then you're in a relationship that's based on your junk, <laughs> So the law of attraction is working against you, right? So another way to put this is to whatever degree you are emotionally, spiritually, relationally unhealthy, right? To, to whatever degree you are unhealthy, you will always and you can always only attract a partner who is also equally unhealthy. Now get that because that is a frightening thing to hear. <laughs> that to whatever degree I might have some unhealthy crap going on in me, that is going to resonate with and attract another person who has the same kind of unhealthiness. And then the two of you get drawn together and your relationship is built on the unhealthy parts of you. Do you follow that? I'm going to give you some examples in a minute. So one of the things you'll hear people say is that they, they believe that they're in a relationship with someone and that they are far more evolved or that they function at a much more evolved or they, they function in a much more healthy way than their partner. I'm here to tell you that is impossible. It is not possible to be in relationship with someone who is on a different level than you. It might look like it because their unhealthiness might not manifest in the exact same way yours does. But they are also unhealthy because what we're talking about here is the law of attraction is really dealing with compatibility. It's like your junk is compatible with somebody else's junk. <laughs> your unhealthiness is compatible with someone else's unhealthiness. So if you, this idea of you are with a man or with a woman and you just feel like I am so much more evolved than them. I've got my shit together more than them. I'm here to tell you, no, you don't. You're just blind to your own shit. Let me give you an example, a, a very clear example of this. It's not unusual for people to be in relationship with someone who is an addict 
of some kind. Alcoholic, shopping, porn, gambling, gossip, um, drama addicts, right? There are numerous chemical addictions. There are even more non-chemical addictions, right? But we're just talking about addiction in general. Let's just take alcoholism. Very often in a relationship, one person is an alcoholic, the other person is not, and maybe isn't even a drinker at all. And that non-drinker often feels like I'm healthier than my partner. My partner's an addict and I'm not. Like we're not compatible. And I'm like, oh yeah, you are. Because you're an enabler. You must be. Because like attracts like. Addicts require enablers. Enablers, get this now, require addicts. They go together like cookies and milk. You see how like attracts like. The unhealthy stuff, the junk might be different, but it's reciprocal. Do you follow me? One person's an addict, the other person's an enabler. They're different, but they fit together. They go together. They need each other. So for the enabler to think that I am more evolved because I'm not an addict, you're just not noticing your own addiction, which is your addiction to enabling. Because why do people enable? Because they're approval addicts. They're people pleasers. They have low self-worth, self-esteem. They feel like this is the best I can do in a relationship. So you've got your own junk that makes you be an enabler. And as an enabler, you need to find someone to enable. And so you could walk into a room of a hundred people and you will find the one person in that room who is an addict and you will feel chemistry with them. This is one of the dangers of chemistry is because unhealthy parts of us feel chemistry for someone else's unhealthy part. Do you get that? Chemistry is not just, you know, we have this energy that we both feel. And it's not coming from just some pure place. No, an enabler and an addict have chemistry. They feel drawn to each other. They, in a sense, complete each other. <laughs> Do you get that? That is, that is the essence of how the law of attraction works. The law of attraction is working between an enabler and an addict. Like attracts like. They need each other. They require each other. They have to find each other. They will find each other. The enabler won't feel any chemistry with a person who's sober. They, they won't fit because that sober person won't, I don't need you to enable me. They, 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 it will feel weird. It'll feel like we don't go together. We are not cookies and milk. We are tomato juice and cookies. Ew, right? We, we are not reciprocal. And the addict can't be with a healthy person. Can't. 
A healthy person would never give the time of day to an addict. (laughs) Now, perhaps I need to clear up something very, very quickly right here. I'm talking about when you feel attraction to someone. Okay? So the illustration I try to make with this, and this is how the law of attraction is misused by the kooks out there, is people will say something like, the example that I often use is, if you're standing on a busy street corner in one of our major cities in the world, right? You're waiting for traffic to clear. You're going to cross the street. And some homeless person comes up to you and hits on you. Hey, baby, you want to come back to my cardboard box? (laughs) You know, or, you know, hey, dude, you know, you want to come take a sip out of my bottle, right? Or something. So I'm just, follow me on this. You're standing on a street corner and some homeless person comes up and hits on you. A lot of people will turn around and say, what am I doing to attract homeless people? I'm like, nothing. It's got nothing to do with the law of attraction other than you're in a a city and there are homeless people in the city and you're bound to bump into them. They're bound to talk to you, right? But people think, you know, why am I attracting homeless people? Or they go into a bar or an event and a woman will say, I get married guys hitting on me all the time. What am I doing to attract married guys? I'm like, absolutely nothing. Unless, unless you find yourself strangely attracted to married guys. You see, if, if you feel attracted to married guys, now it's because you've got something going on that is matching with a married guy's energy. Most likely you're afraid of commitment. And so the kind of guy that fits with you is a guy that's very unavailable for anything serious because he's already married. So he's the perfect guy. You could play with him, but it's not going to go anywhere. And therefore it will never threaten your fear of commitment or your fear of intimacy. You follow me? But it's only when you feel attracted to it. So back to our homeless situation. If you're on the street corner and a homeless person hits on you and you kind of feel in your body like, oh my God, I'm so turned on right now. I mean, I really want to go back and lay down with them in their box on the street or in their tent. Like I'm sexually attracted to that homeless person, then you've got something going on. But if a homeless person just hits on you, you're like, uh, uh, thank you, I'm flattered, but uh, I've got to get to work and you walk away. Or you're, you're in a bar at an event and some guy walks up to you with a ring on his finger and says, you know, hey, baby. And you're like, uh, no, I'm completely not interested in a guy that wants to cheat on his wife. And you walk away. They're... You are not attracting that. You are not attracting things unless you are attracted to it, right? It's, you can only say, why am I attracting something if you feel attracted to it? Why am I attracted to the bad boy, 
That's a good question because you're attracted to it. If you meet a bad boy and you're like completely turned off and you're not giving that guy the time of day and you're not interested, but you've had a bunch of bad boy types hit on you, you're not attracting bad boys because you're not interested in your energy isn't like is not attracting like. You're not interested in it. You're not drawn to it. You're not mysteriously sort of turned on by it. So the law of attraction is only about attraction. (laughs) It's not about happenstance or strange bumping into people or weird circumstances. It's, It's about the law of attraction. Okay? So drop this idea that anything that happens to you, why am I attracting that? You, know, you, you drive down the street and somebody rear ends you. Why am I attracting accidents? No, you're not attracting that other than if you drive on the street, you're liable to get hit. Okay. <laughs> now, if you get rear ended every day for three weeks in a row, okay, now you might have something going on that you, you know, that, right. But, or if you're going out saying, I really want someone to rear end me today. You know, I'm really, I'm really attracted to men who can't drive. And they don't know how to use the brake or something. You know, I'm, I'm, now I'm getting to be silly here in this comparison. But that, that is an important caveat that we need to establish. Now, here's an illustration that I, I've used in some of my books. Perhaps you've made a puzzle in your, when you were a kid, you know, a hundred piece puzzle or a thousand, a thousand piece puzzle. I'm reminded of that scene in the movie, The Accountant, with Ben Affleck, and he plays a high-functioning autistic uh, hitman, basically. He's an accountant, but he's, he's a complete badass. It's a great movie. But they have a flashback when he was a kid, and he's putting together you know, a, a thousand-piece puzzle. Okay? So perhaps you've done that. You've put together a, a puzzle. And so if you have, you know that... N- that every piece of the puzzle has a match. It goes with another specific piece, right? You can't put one piece of the puzzle with any random puzzle piece, right? They've got to fit together. You got to find its match. That's what the law of attraction is saying, that you have a particular shape, like a puzzle piece. You have a particular emotional, energetic, psychological shape to you and your shape is based upon how you've been raised raised and your experiences and your personality type it's you you've got your junk you've got your baggage and so we could use a metaphor and say you could take you and your junk your baggage your stuff we all have it too by the way please don't tell me you don't have any junk or that you don't have any baggage or that you don't have an emotional shape you know, unless you're Jesus or Buddha, sorry, okay? The rest of us are human. So we all have a psychological profile, you could say. We, we have our junk. And so I use this metaphor, you're like a puzzle piece. You have a particular shape, okay? Now that particular shape only fits with its reciprocal. <laughs> and whether you know it or not, Your energetic and psychological shape is searching for its match. 
it needs to find its place with its other puzzle piece. That's the law of attraction. You are attracted to your reciprocal. So if you're an addict, you fit with an enabler. Now, you know my story. I've I've shared it before that I call myself Roy the Rescuer. Okay? Based upon my relationship with my mother, I learned from a very early age that the way you get close to a feminine person who's important to you, which my first feminine encounter was with my mother, of course. I learned from that dynamic unconsciously that if I made my life be about making mom happy, doing what she wanted, meeting her needs, being a good boy, right? If I was a good boy, I felt warmth and connection from her. So I learned in an early age, the way you get close to a woman is making your life be about taking care of theirs. Okay. I didn't consciously decide this when I was five. I just picked it up noticing that when I made my life be about mommy, I'll be a good boy. What do you need? I'll, you know, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy was the theme in my house. So I just instinctively learned because what little boy does not want to be close to his mother? I learned how to be close to mom. And that was forget about your needs and your wants and your desires and your instincts. Forget about quote, being selfish be a good boy. And so that translated into later on in life, if you want to get a girlfriend, be a good boyfriend. Make your life be about taking care of her. And so I just gave that dynamic a name. I I call him Roy the Rescuer or actually Casanova in my books. Do you understand that? That's a very common persona. I developed a persona called Roy the Rescuer. Now, if I'm a rescuer, what kind of woman does the law of attraction say I'm, I'm going to need, right? My shape, my puzzle piece shape, my psychological shape is as a rescuer. So the only kind of woman that I'm going to feel attracted to and attract toward me is a woman with a reciprocal matching shape. What is the matching shape? Well, I would call her a damsel in distress or a woman who needs to be rescued, (laughs) right? It's just like the addict and the enabler. They go together like cookies and milk and a rescuer needs someone to rescue. Do you follow me? So the law of attraction was working in my life because I kept attracting women who were damsels in distress. To be more specific, they were high-powered career women that were kicking ass, making big money. They, they had to work 60 to 80 hours a week, but they were single mothers. And they didn't, they didn't have the bandwidth to build their career and run their companies and raise their children and manage their home. They were overwhelmed. They were drowning in all their responsibilities. And here comes good boyfriend. Hey, baby, I'll rescue you. I'll take care of your kids. I'll manage your house. I'll cut your lawn. I'll pay the bills. I'll do the shopping. I'll wash the car. I'll cut the grass. 
you know, and it was like, oh my God, we had unbelievable chemistry, right? Do you see how untrustworthy chemistry is? It's like whenever you feel chemistry with someone of the opposite sex or someone that you're sexually interested in, you should be suspicious of the chemistry. Is it the healthy kind or is it the unhealthy kind? Most of us, it's always the unhealthy kind. The law of attraction is working against us. And it was working against me because as long as I was Roy the Rescuer, I required a woman who was a damsel, right? I Would I fit with a healthy woman that didn't need rescuing? No, my shtick wouldn't work. She would be turned off by, don't you treat me like a victim? Don't you try to take care of me? I mean, I can, I can handle my own life. It, it would, it'd be like, ew. It'd be like tomato juice and cookies. It doesn't fit. But a damsel in distress, oh my God, where have you been? You're the greatest boyfriend. You're this, you're that. And I'm like, oh, and you finally, you appreciate all the good things I do. And you reward me with sex and you wear my ass out, right? And so this dynamic of like attracts like and one puzzle piece, one shape fitting with another the psychological word for this is codependence. Do you see it? Does it make sense? As a rescuer, I'm dependent. Or the damsel is dependent on me to rescue. But see, that whole relationship is reciprocal. Because in one sense, I was also a damsel, but she was the rescuer. Because at that time... I came out of a marriage where I wasn't having any sex at all. And my damsel was highly sexual. So I, I'm like the damsel. I need rescuing. And she's like, I'll rescue you. I'll fuck your brains out in exchange for you rescuing me. That's the deal. We'll both rescue each other. This is one of the reasons why, even though I love the movie, uh, Pretty Woman, I mean, I love that movie. It's, I cry through most of it. Um, but at the end, when Richard Gere comes riding on his white horse, a white limousine, and she's up, you know, on the, the balcony of this apartment, you know, and he climbs up the fire escape and he says something like, I'm here to rescue you, um, because she was a hooker, right? And he was a very wealthy guy. I'm here to rescue her. And then they, he says something like, what's next? And she says, well, I rescue you right back. Right? So that movie was, was Julia Roberts and Richard Gere agreeing to be codependent. <laughs> now, I don't mean to ruin the movie for you, but their relationship was completely unhealthy. She's like, I'm going to rescue you because he had father issues, workaholic issues, trying to prove something, be a big man. And, you know, and so she rescued him from his junk and he's rescuing her from, you know, her junk. Okay. Now you might say, what's wrong with rescuing each other from your junk? And I would say, good point. 
If it worked, that would be great. But it always breaks down because it's coming from an unhealthy place. My rescuing women that were damsels, I eventually get tired of raising your damn kids and washing their laundry. I get tired of you working 60 to 80 hours a week. I don't want to. I don't want to cut your grass and clean your car and do your shopping. Like I got a life of my own. I have a career of my own, right? And then eventually she's going to be like, I, I can't have sex with you twice a day, every day. I'm busy. I'm exhausted. I got, plus you're not wanting to do everything around the house anymore. So I've got some chores to do. So it's going to explode. Codependence only works in the short term, only in the romance phase. And then it blows up. If it worked, if two people could agree to rescue each other in however their dynamic works for the rest of their lives, well, then I guess you could be weirdly happy. But it just doesn't work that way. (laughs) It just falls apart. And you probably know that. Right? So this is the law of attraction. It's working. Like is attracting like. Your, Your puzzle piece shape is attracted to and it is attracting your reciprocal opposite. So what's another example of this? What about, you know, it's it's almost like very often you will have one person who's very sort of needy and clingy, more of on the relationship addiction side. They're they really deal with they deal with loneliness. They can't be alone. They gotta be in a relationship, right? So they've got this kind of needy. I really need a partner. I'm really kind of desperate shape. Well, what kind of shape does that attract? Another person who's needy and desperate and wants to be in a relationship, like it's the the lifeblood, or like it's like it's their source of oxygen. No. The reciprocal is the person who's afraid of commitment. The person who is more of the avoidant attachment style. You see this? This is why the anxious attachment style attracts the avoidant attachment style. Because they fit together. In a weird way, they need each other. Because if I'm anxious, I need to feel anxious about my relationship. Well, who is the perfect partner to feel anxious about? The one who pulls away, the one who fears commitment, the one who wants to stay separate and always needs space and resists closeness. You see, if I'm with a person who is emotionally available, then I don't have to feel anxious anymore. But because I have an an anxious attachment shape, I actually need someone who will continue to help me feel anxious. And so I attract someone who's avoidant. And the avoidant person is afraid of being smothered and being dominated and being controlled and losing their freedom. And so that is their shape. Well, they aren't going to attract someone who also wants space and doesn't want to be smothered. Because then there wouldn't be anything to be afraid of. There wouldn't be anything to avoid. Right? 
So in order to keep your avoidant attachment style going, you need to attract someone who's going to be all over you. And then you can feel all the fear of being smothered. Do you, do you follow me? <laughs> right. So this is, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this is opposites attract. Okay. The, the, even though it's like attracts like, there's an opposites attract nature to it. If you get my drift there. But I don't want to get lost in that yet. We'll come back to that in a couple of weeks. But there's the the other uh, there's another um, example I could give you. It's the woman who is the nurturer. No, how about oh, how about this one? This is great, right? Because I, I I ranted on this in the podcast uh, on Roy's rant. The person who is the empath, right? The HSP, the highly sensitive person, right? The empath, the warm, the caring, the nurturing. I feel your pain. I understand. I'm empathetic, right? I'm, I'm like a social worker. I'm like a therapist. I, 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 I have this sensitivity and, and I feel, you know, emotions and I feel your emotions, right? <laughs> How does the law of attraction work against them? They attract the narcissist. Do you see it? Your empathetic shape fits perfectly with a narcissist. Because what is a narcissist? Someone who is self-absorbed. It's all about me. What is an empath? empath? It is all about you. (laughs) Right? So that's why I rail on people complaining about narcissists is because the reason you have narcissists in your life is not because you have bad luck. It's because you're attracted to it because you're an empath. And an empath is not healthy. It's for our culture. When you're warm and you're highly sensitive, we think that is a healthy psychological dynamic. No, it isn't. It is just as unhealthy as the narcissist because the empath has lost their sense of self. They have disowned themselves and they make it about everybody else. That's not healthy. The narcissist is the opposite. They have all sense of self and nobody else exists in the world. That's not healthy. But they go together. Do you see that? That's why I rail on people when they complain about narcissists. I'm like, don't complain about that. You must be an empath if you keep finding narcissistic partners. So if you don't want a narcissist, stop being an empath. Because if you're not an empath, you won't find them strangely attractive. You won't feel drawn to them. It won't feel like cookies and milk because I'm telling you, if you're an empath and you've been with someone who turned out to be very narcissistic, in the beginning, you thought it was hot. Oh, they're so self-assured. They're so confident. They're so decisive, right? So you saw the qualities that you've disowned in yourself. You saw it in them and you were drawn to them. But then when you start relating with them, You're like, oh my God, no, you're so selfish. And then it begins to bother you. But you were attracted to it. And you have to be attracted to it. That's the issue. 
You cannot, as an empath, say, okay, I'm this highly sensitive person. I am going to use a law of attraction to attract a warm, caring, gentle, available man. No way. Can't do it. Not possible. If you're an empath, you will always and only attract the narcissist. The only way to not attract the narcissist is for you to change your shape. And that's where I want to go for the last few minutes of this podcast. It's all about shape shifting. If you have been in relationship groundhog day where you seem to attract the same kind of partner and you have the same kind of pattern and that turns out to be the same kinds of problems and the same kinds of pain, which is what I went through, as long as I was Roy the rescuer, it, it might have been a different woman, but it was the same woman. It might have been a different woman, but we had the same pattern. And we got into the same problems, the same dynamics showed up, and the same pain showed up. She might have been from a different part of the country. She might have been a different age. She might have had a different kind of career. She might have been a completely different woman from that one. But it was the same fucking relationship. Why is that? How do I keep attracting the same thing over and over again? It's not because you're unlucky. It's because you have a puzzle shape to your psychology And it only fits with that kind of person. So the the trick is not to say, I want to find a different person. It's I need to change my own shape. If I'm shaped differently, I won't fit with the narcissist anymore. If I'm not in a rescuer shape, I won't feel any attraction to a woman that needs rescuing. It's that simple. But it's a change in focus from, this is why I harp on, it's not about finding the right person. You can't find the right person if your shape is unhealthy. (laughs) It's not possible. So it's not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. And what I mean by that in this context, it's about identifying your unhealthy junk-ridden, baggage-ridden shape. It's about becoming self-aware. How am I shaped? If I'm attracting these dynamics, then what, what dynamic must I have going on inside of me? If I keep meeting men who are sort of broken down and in between careers and sort of lost, and the pattern I get into is I meet these men and I patch them up and I fix them up and I encourage them and I even support them and they get on their feet and then they leave me, right? Well, you know, (laughs) then your work is to say, what shape, what psychological thing do I have going on inside of me that's attracting broken down men? Well, it must be that you're some kind of nurse. You're some kind of healer. Because nurses and healers need sick people. <laughs> right? A nurse doesn't do any any good for someone who's healthy. I don't need you. But if I'm broken down, right? If I'm a hammer, I need a nail. I often call it Mrs. Goodwrench. If, if you're carrying around a wrench, you're going to need a car that's broken down to fix it. If you're a mechanic, you need broken down cars. Right? They go together. 
So you can say, I don't want another broken down man all you want. If you are continuing to be in this healer, mechanic, nurse persona, then you're going to find another broken down man. You have to. You can't avoid it. It's the law of attraction. It's working against you. But if you get out of your shape, oh my God, then you can attract something completely different. So if you want a healthy relationship, it's not about finding a healthy partner. It's about becoming a healthy person. Because when you are healthy, again, the law of attraction, now it works for you. Because now your healthy shape will only attract a reciprocal healthy shape. And now you're in business. <laughs> right? Again, if you're in an unhealthy place, you'll attract someone who's also unhealthy. Has to be. But if you get yourself in a healthy place, all of a sudden, man, I seem to be attracting higher quality people. People that are, you know, on purpose and yet available for a relationship. Holy crap. This is amazing. I I even find myself feeling chemistry for people I in the past would never feel chemistry for. I'm finally meeting people that in the past I would never have felt se sexually attracted to that kind of woman or that kind of guy. So your type can change. You know how we all say we all have a type? Oh, my type is this, my type is that. That's your junk. Your junk has a type. I'm a rescuer. I've got a certain type. <laughs> a damsel. I stopped being a rescuer. All of a sudden, oh man, I'm, I'm finding myself attracted to women who are got their shit together and do not need help. Like, wow, before I would never have been attracted to her. I would have been attracted to that one over there who seems to have their life falling apart. And if I rescued them, it'd be like, finally, mommy loves me. <laughs> Okay. Right? So I'm harping on this. The whole purpose of this is for you to kind of wake up and say, if I want to be in a healthy relationship, it's not about finding a healthy person. I got to get healthier. I've got to first identify my unhealthy shape. And I've got to dig around and get some self-awareness on why I have been attracting these relationships and these kind of partners. This is what it means to take radical responsibility. There's no blame of your partners when you understand this. You're like, well, of course I had a damsel in distress because I was being a rescuer. How can I blame her for showing up in my life? I needed a woman like that. So how is it her fault? It's not. So when you, when you recognize that the law of attraction is operating and your psychological emotional shape is magnetically and mystically attracting its playmate, its reciprocal, you are now in radical responsibility because you'll never blame anyone again that you've been in relationship with. You will say, they have, I attracted them because I was in a certain shape and they fit me. And I'm responsible for that. Now, you didn't know you were doing it. So there's no reason to blame yourself. But you wake up and say, oh, man, there's no one to blame here. But I, I'm, man, no wonder why I kept attracting damsels in distress. I'm responsible for that. Now, that empowers you because all I got to do is change my shape. That's all I got to do. 
is change my shape. And then mystically and magically, all of a sudden you start attracting healthier people. So do you want to do some shape shifting work? I'm a shape shifter. That's what I do as a coach. I help my clients identify their relationship personas, their psychological, emotional shape that has been the reason for attracting all the unhealthy dynamics. I help them wake up to their shape and say, let's change the shape. And when your shape changes, you attract someone that now fits your new healthy shape. But here's the dark side. The law of attraction works against you. If you don't do this kind of work, you have no hope at a healthy relationship. As long as I stayed Roy the rescuer, the only types of women that I would ever be attracted to or would be attracted to me would be damsels in distress and I would be in relationship groundhog day over and over and over again. There is no hope of getting out of this loop unless you do your work. And I have never met a person that can do this kind of work on their own. Never. This takes professional assistance. It did for me. It has for everyone I know because everyone I know that's in a really healthy relationship has done their work. Not to find the right person, to look in the damn mirror and to work on their own shit and change their own shape. And once they did that, then they manifested something healthy because you are manifesting. It's just your junk is manifesting or this new evolved healthy version of you that you can find through coaching and working with me, that can attract something. All right. So this is the first law of life and love. The law of attraction. Like attracts like and it's happening whether you like it or not. You're either going to get on board with it or you're going to be a victim of it. And I'm here for anyone who is ready to change their shape. And so until next time, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.